Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Solutions Watch. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. It is September of 2023, and here's a question for you. Do you know about ULEZ? <laughs> now, don't worry, I'm not talking about something on Ward here, or <laughs> at least not in that sense. I'm talking about London's ultra-low emission zone, which, quoting from the bastion of truthiness Wikipedia, is an emissions standard, an area in London, England, where an emissions standard-based charge is applied to non-compliant road vehicles. And yes, you can continue reading at the bastion of truthiness about this wonderful idea for cutting down on traffic, but also cutting down on the number of non-compliant road vehicles operating in London, and making the air fresher and and things wonder, more wonderful, and appeasing the, the weather gods and what have you. But I think my informed listeners will be able to read between the lines and understand that this is an attempt to snuggle, smuggle, and snuggle, uh, Agenda 2030 and the 15-minute city concept in through the back door. And if this does prove to be workable and successful, you can better believe it'll be exporting around to cities around the world very soon. Which is why people who are interested in such things as, oh, I don't know, freedom, freedom to travel, etc., might be interested in keeping their eye on this idea and where it goes from here. Because, of course, oh, don't worry, it's just for non-compliant, old, dirty vehicles. That's all. It's just an emissions-based charge anyway. I mean, you can still go, you just have to pay a little bit more, right? Then it'll never progress beyond that. Well, yes, as as I'm sure you can undoubtedly see this it does not take much imagination to see where this is going but did you catch the sort of interesting update to the ulez story that james evan Pilato of mediamonarchy.com covered in a recent edition of new world next week not all heroes wear capes sometimes they wear hard hats while monkey wrenching the new world order police search for anti-ulez suspect as hundreds of cameras damaged or stolen Grabbing this from Sky News again, everything we say always included in the show notes to continue the research for yourself. Police have issued an image of a man they want to speak to, I bet, in connection with the vandalism of cameras in London's controversial ultra-low emission zone, ULEZ ULEZ. The devices track cars entering the zone, and motors whose vehicles do not meet minimum emission standards are required to pay $12.50 a day or face a fine. I think the twelve fifty a day is already the fine, but they call it a fee. ULEZ, which is already in place in central and inner London due to expand the capital's borders with Buckinghamshire, Essex, Hertfordshire, Kent, and Surrey from August 29th. London Mayor Sadiq Khan has repeatedly stressed that 90% of cars driving in outer London on an average day are already compliant with ULEZ. We've already captured you. But its expansion has encountered fierce resistance in some areas due to the rising cost of living. While Londoners can apply for a grant of up to £2,000 to replace a non-compliant vehicle, such non-scrappage schemes are not in place for those who reside outside the capital. Vigilantes opposed, so they use the word vigilantes. Vigilantes opposed to the move have targeted enforcement cameras installed by Transport for London, often cutting the camera's wires or completely removing the devices. Thanks for the how-to tip. The Metropolitan Police launched an operation targeting the group who described themselves as Blade Runners. They launched the operation earlier this year, targeting the Blade Runners, said they had recorded 288 relating crimes 
as of August 1st. This includes 185 reports of cables being damaged, 164 cameras being stolen, and 38 reports of cameras being obscured. The force on Friday released an image of a man it says it wants to trace in connection with four offenses in Hillingdon, Harrow, and Uxbridge on 17 June. Commander Owen Richards says, These are clearly unacceptable acts of criminality, and we have a team of officers investigating and identifying those responsible. Not all heroes wear capes, indeed. Yes, well, of course, you can follow the link in the show notes back to that edition of New World Next Week if you want more information about that, or links back to the original story itself, or more information about the hundreds of ULEZ cameras that have been tinkered with in interesting ways in recent months. Um, an interesting development, isn't it? And one of those stories that makes you go, hmm. Now, this idea of monkey-wrenching the New World Order, as James Evan Pilato likes to say, is, should not be a new one, if only because you've heard James Evan Pilato use that phrase many, many, many times in the past. But also, you might recall, for example, the recent Solutions Watch episode on simple sabotage. But <gasps> sabotage, ooh, that sounds like a, a dirty and very illegal activity, and I wouldn't want to be involved in that. No, 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 this isn't sabotage. This is monkey-wrenching, the New World Order. It's playful. <laughs> you might also recall this idea from uh, the propaganda watch that I did on culture jamming with Extinction Rebellion, <laughs> where you'll remember that ridiculous story of the uh, the Extinction Rebellion protesters who literally just donned high-vis vests and cardboard <laughs> helmets and pretended to be protesting the mining <laughs> that was going on. and Just, I mean, obvious nonsense and ridiculousness. But it gets attention. It does get attention. And you will, of course, also remember from that same Propaganda Watch episode, other examples of that, the yes-men and others, who employ such culture-jamming ta tactics and techniques to get people's attention to subtly tweak things and and do, do something that will get noticed, but will definitely get attention because people are not expecting it. I think there's value in this idea, which is why... As you'll see, I've already touched on it in various forms uh, over the years, but we're going to touch on it again today because I think there is still more value to be plucked out of this idea. And although it should not go without saying, but I guess I have to say it anyway, <laughs> just given the medium that I'm working in. No, uh, certainly I do not agree with the ideas of an Extinction Rebellion, or even many of the ideas of a group like the Yes Men. I agree on some things, disagree on others, but that's not the point. The point is, what can, knowing, knowing what we know about the effectiveness of these culture-jamming, monkey-wrenching, sabotage ideas, how can we apply them to, to acts that will be fruitful in the types of things that we want to accomplish? How else can we put this creativity to use? Well, here's another idea that, once again, I will I will disown myself from the message of this idea, but the way that the message is being put forward, again, might give people pause for thought and may maybe even give you some ideas about where this, this concept can be taken. To finish up today, this story is for our Tasmanian viewers. If you've been shopping in Coles or Woolworth supermarkets in Hobart, you might have noticed a couple of new signs appearing on the shelves. The Grassroots Action Network Tasmania have created these signs that look identical to the real thing, but when you look closer at the specials being advertised, you realise they're a bit different. Here's a potato special at Coles, but the text says down, down, affordability is down, but our shareholders love it. 
And then in the pancake batter section at Woolies, the sign lists several reasons for why prices are high. And here's another one at Coles talking profitability and also at Woolworths. There are actually 27 of these signs available to be printed at home. So expect to start seeing more and more of these popping up at a supermarket near you. And it's just a sign that the cost of living is becoming even more serious for Australians. Dad, was that a news report or an advertisement? I think it was an advertisement, son. Hat, hat tip and kudos to the uh, Corbett reporters in the crowd who know that reference. But anyway, yeah, was that a news report or was that actually some form of actual promotion of that activity? Well, I'll let you come to your own conclusion on that. I tend to think it's the latter, um, especially not just because of that one report, but of all of the reports of this activity that I've seen in the MSM, the Australian MSM. It is interesting to me that they're all essentially at the very least, neutral about this activity, if not a actively promoting it and linking up and making sure to mention the website of the organization that's behind this and linking it up uh, for people, etc. So it's, it's interesting. You would think if they wanted to not encourage this activity, they wouldn't talk about it. But as we know from previous Corbett Report episodes, the media are the terrorists. So... Of course. Anyway, so it is interesting to at least speculate about why this this particular action is being essentially promoted in the establishment media rather than hushed up and what agenda it may be serving. Well, let's find out more about it. Let's follow our media, corporate media overlords to, to this website that they are very careful to introduce to the uh, viewers and listeners and readers of their publications, specifically the website of the Grassroots Action Network Tasmania which uh, you can find at grassroots, grassroots, a, uh, S -T -A, grassroots T-A-S dot com, whatever. Anyway, it'll be linked up in the show notes if you really want to go there and you can find out more about this organization and who they are and what they do. But if you go into the what we do organizing and campaigning category, you will find that right there at the top is their Eat the Rich organization campaign, um, which is self-explanatory, right? So you can actually download the PDF of their culture jamming uh, material that you can print out and post up at your own local Coles and Woolworths. Woolworths. Sorry to my Australian Tasmanian uh, listeners in the crowd. I don't know about Coles and Woolworths, but at any rate, um, here it is. And it's an interesting mixture of some things that are funny and that I think people in my audience could largely agree with. Uh, previous price excuse COVID, current price excuse Ukraine, next price excuse Bushfires, yeah, it seems about right. But then mixed in with socialist claptrap about uh, companies basically charging money for products. <laughs> How dare they? How absolutely dare they? So anyway, uh, I'd say it's a mixture. I certainly don't uh, wholeheartedly endorse the message, but it is an interesting campaign. It certainly has garnered attention, and it is it is eye-catching. It is the type of thing that once people see it and realize, oh, this isn't a real sign. What's going on? It does certainly catch the attention. And you, as, yeah, you can go and print out your own copies and distribute them around in your local supermarket and see the hilarity ensue. But actually, you know, it raises an interesting question because, of course, each one of these is emblazoned with a QR code that will take you somewhere for more information. And of course, everyone walking around with their digital slave devices in their pockets will have the QR code scanner there that they can whip out and, well, let's, let's find out what they're promoting. So uh, 
let's bring up the handy dandy QR code scanner here and I will attempt to scan this document live on air. Let's go to this QR code link and we will open the link and we will be treated to this report from the Australia Institute. OECD report shows corporate profits contributed far more to inflation in Australia than wages. So anyway, you can, of course, go read through this, whatever. At any rate, the point is that, oh, yes, of course, you're going to put a QR code on any culture jamming you do these days so that people can go and find out more information. Now, that is a valuable idea, I think, for people out there in the crowd who do want to make their own information banners and, and stickers and what have you, like we saw with the White Rose and the White Rose Mucho Grande that was featured on Solutions Watch last week. This is another idea for that type of thing and a handy-dandy way for activists in the current 21st century to direct people quickly and easily, grab their attention, and then direct them to somewhere worth more information. Hey, maybe like, maybe like the Corbett Report. Sure, why not? Anyway, that is an idea, but it also actually brings to mind another possible opportunity for monkey-wrenching of the New World Order. And that was a possibility that was, I believe, brought up and discussed in that aforementioned New World Next Week that we took a look at just that short little excerpt from um, with James Evan Pilato talking about the ULES cameras. We went on to talk about other ways that people can tinker and monkey wrench the New World Order, including maybe tampering with a QR code. For example, we saw in the wake of the scandemic the the various places, I believe in Australia too, where people were being required to scan in with the QR code scanner to, to um, basically check their movements and where people are going and making sure they're not violating whatever lockdown orders pertain that day. Well, hmm, what if what if some creative individual came along and creatively altered the QR code so it was unreadable, unusable? Um, it's the type of very, very, very simple, tiny little action that might, at any rate cause some problems for the smooth functioning of the technocratic state, right? And uh, if you want more on that idea, you could go to a site like qrcode-tiger.com and they had an article, handy dandy article up just a couple months ago, QR code error correction, how does it work? Which has more information than you would ever think you would ever need to know about QR code error correction and the different levels of it that exist. For example, L, M, Q, and H correction levels. So different um, QR codes can have different, uh, essentially built-in redundancies so that a certain percentage of the QR code can be damaged or perhaps deliberately tinkered with, and you could still be directed to the proper place. And so this is corresponding to L, low, M, medium, Q, quartile, and H, high levels of error correction embedded in the QR codes. One would expect that most major um, corporate or governmental QR codes on official propaganda and official um, things would probably involve high uh, error correction so that they would be essentially that, you know, if they get ripped or damaged or destroyed or tampered with, you would still be able to be directed to the site. But why speculate about it? Why not try it? And that's exactly what one attentive New World Next Week listener did. Um, Craig, who wrote in recently to say, in one of your recent New World This Week episodes... New World This Week? <laughs> it's the title of the program. Come on. You guys speculated about QR codes and whether one could alter them to make them unreadable. With apparently nothing better to do at 10 a.m. this morning, I tested it on a Canadian tire code, no less. Representing Canada. All right. And after some trial and error, can say that altering a corner box 
the larger squares at further ones at furthermost corners of the square code prevents the camera from recognizing that it is a QR code. In case no one else has tried this yet, celebrate small successes, I guess. Best regards, Craig. All right. Okay. Well, let's let's try it again. Live demonstration on air. I don't know how this is going to work, but let's let's give it a try. So, I've got this QR code, and I happen to have some stickers around from my children's sticker collection. Some soccer players or football players, if you're from that part of the Anglosphere. So let's let's try it. Let's take one of these little soccer figures, just a harmless little children's sticker that, who knows, some children wandering by a QR code might place these on one of these QR codes and just, I don't know, just place it right there on the QR code itself and we'll see. Does that make this unreadable? Let's find out. We'll scan... We'll attempt to scan this code now. Give the camera a good look at it, and yep, it's broken. It's not finding that link. So there you go. Who knows? Just some some child might wander by with a code and, or with a sticker and place it on a QR code. And wouldn't you know it, the government's plan for tracking and tracing its civilians is just totally foiled, at least for the time being. Again, this is certainly not a be-all and end-all solution, but it, it's a fun way of monkey wrenching, isn't it? Well, let's let's continue this experiment because, again, I have this QR code um, which we haven't tampered with yet, and let's take the magic, the magic sharpie, and just as Craig suggests, you see in the three corners. Uh, yeah, of course, it's reading that particular QR code now, but you'll see in the three corners there are the three square, black squares that are surrounded by other a bigger black square you know what i'm talking about so let's uh let's take that and just do absolutely nothing more than just take this little sharpie and and fill in one of those black squares so now you'll see that the top left corner there it's filled in and let's see how that affects the ability to scan this qr code bring up the scanner and, yep, it is no longer scanning that code. So there you go, just a little bit of tiny Sharpie just on the corner there, and the code's broken. Now, as I say, I don't know whether this is L, M, Q, or H error level correction, and presumably that the more official QR codes might be a little bit more resilient and might require a little more tampering. Not that I would ever, ever, ever advocate defacing public property or doing anything illegal with regards to this. Of course not. But I'm just saying if a child happens to be wandering around with stickers, you know, children putting stickers on things or with a crayon marking things up, who knows how these things happen? Anyway, it's um, something to think about. But again, just an idea. There are plenty, plenty, plenty of other ideas for monkey wrenching the New World Order. Like what, you ask? Well, like this, I say. Uh, if you happen to be in Florida, you may or may not know that there is apparently a new law that has recently been passed and signed into law that will force school boards to remove books from the school libraries if parents are prevented from reading passages from those books at school board meetings. <laughs> What are you saying? What is that again? So uh, take it from Fox News. Why not? Florida school board forced to remove dozens of books after parents read graphic passages aloud. 
And this goes on to say, a Florida school board voted unanimously to remove several dozen books from school shelves after concerned citizens read graphic excerpts from the hotly debated novels. The board decided to remove the book in question because of a rule, the books in question, because of a rule signed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in May that states parents shall have the right to read passages from any material that is subject to an objection. So if they are prevented from reading this, then the the school board is obligated to remove those books. So how does that, what does that look like? And how do you use this to your advantage? If you are concerned, for example, about the explicit, sexually explicit pornographic material that's being put in your child's school library against your will, what could you possibly do about it? Well, how about just going to the uh, school board meeting, like this Indian River County school board meeting that took place recently, and have parent after parent after parent step up to the podium and simply attempt but fail to read passages from these books that, once again, let's remind ourselves, are in or were in the children's school libraries. Now on the topic of these pornographic books that you keep calling these uh, point of contacts on as it relates to whether they should be read or not, um, 13 Reasons Why by Jay Asher, currently in Storm Grove Middle School and Freshman Learning Center, page 265. As if letting him finger me was going to cure all okay, my you. problems. Sir, I'll stop but you there. in the end, Sir, I, I never stop told you, you there, to get away. And then and we will continue. You stopped rubbing circles on my stomach. Instead, you rubbed back and forth gently along my cut waist. Your pinky made its way it. under the stop top it, of my please, panties sir, and rolled back it. and forth you don't from here to here. You to leave. Thank you. He doesn't need a microphone. Yes, sir, I ask you to stop. And you're going to have to leave if you don't continue with that. Yes, sir. No, sir, I ask you to stop. I ask you to stop. Sir, he needs to be removed. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, that's one pretty demonstrative and effective way of getting things done, isn't it? But it certainly does, I guess, help help to know your local ordinances and bylaws to know about little loopholes like that that can be employed in such a dramatic fashion. And apparently in an incredibly effective fashion, as I say, dozens of books removed from the school's libraries. And regardless of, again, whatever you think about this particular protest and the particular thing that was being accomplished here, and whether you agree or disagree or you have misgivings or what have you, again, let's look at the concept, not the specifics of the message or the action, and imagine how you could apply such tactics in your area for things that you are find to be important. And again, in this particular case, it would involve knowing certain local laws and regulations and ordinances, and maybe you don't want to play that game, the political game. Fair enough, there are plenty of other options on the table. Like what? Well, for example, let's say that you are a clued-in, switched-on Corbett Report listener, and you took to heart the message of episode 341 of the Corbett Report podcast on Welcome to Your Driverless Future, which was warning about the very dark things that are coming in the world of autonomous robots of various sorts, and of course, autonomous vehicles 
in which V2V communications, vehicle-to-vehicle, and the Internet of Things, and um, not 5G, 6G, and whatever else is coming next, will be part of the ubiquitous computing surveillance dragnet that will be everywhere, guiding you where you want to go, etc. Or maybe, at the very least, you'll remember back to the very, very first edition of Propaganda Watch on Kia and the driverless future future propaganda that was being programmed into the population at that time. Or maybe you're just joke you normie and you get kind of the ickies when you see the driverless cars going by. Or you're just cheesed off at the um, at the sometimes sometimes ridiculous and sometimes downright deadly ways that these autonomous vehicles are acting, and you want to do something about it. Well, now you can. Did you know with Armed with nothing more than a simple traffic safety cone, you can completely disarm and dismantle one of these autonomous vehicles, and in fact, in some cases, require it to be hard reset in order to move again. No one's in it. Marking autonomous vehicles as traffic hazards. The group Safe Street Rebels is placing cones on Cruise and Waymo cars as a way to temporarily stop them. They want these cars off the road permanently expanded and basically unfettered access to the city streets is a really bad idea. This person is a member of the Safe Street Rebels and asked us not to share their identity. The group calls the protest the Week of Cone. It is happening ahead of next week's vote by the State Public Utilities Commission on whether to allow Cruz and Waymo to expand their services in the city. Residents never actually got a chance to have a say in this and never really consented to being used as human guinea pigs. According to the group, using a traffic cone on top of the car disables it. And since they feel like they are traffic hazards, they think using a cone is a good way to send a message. You know, there's something strangely hardening about that scene, of seeing the creepy autonomous vehicle takeover being stopped by nothing more than a traffic cone. It brings to mind the... Ed 209 falling down the stairs in RoboCop, or uh, or the At-Ats in The Empire Strikes Back being felled by the single cable wrapped around its legs. It can't go any further. The mighty juggernaut of the future felled with just everyday items and small, um, small obstacles for humans. So there is something to be said for that, finding the, uh, the vulnerabilities in systems like this and exploiting the heck out of them. <laughs> Why not? Anyway, if that's not for you, or that doesn't particularly pertain in your neck of the woods, then how about some other ideas that are on the table for monkey-wrenching the New World Order? Like what, you ask? Well, like the good old-fashioned prank call. (laughs) You might recall this from your childhood, as I do, growing up in the 80s. I do recall prank calling being a thing that I even tried once or twice. Um, But here's, here's an example of perhaps a weaponization of prank calling that I wouldn't even think about in this day and age, but here it is. Japan complains of harassment calls from China over Fukushima water release. A report that notes that Japan said on Monday it had received many extremely regrettable harassment phone calls, likely from China, after the release of treated radioactive water from the Fukushima nuclear power plant into the Pacific. The Chinese embassy in Tokyo said it too had been receiving nuisance calls from Japan. (laughs) Sure. Japan started the water discharge on Thursday in a key step towards decommissioning the Fukushima plant, which suffered triple meltdowns after being hit by a tsunami in 2011 and the world's worst nuclear power plant disaster since Chernobyl 25 years earlier, blah, blah, blah. Fukushima City Hall started receiving calls with the China Country Code plus 86 on Thursday, and the number of such calls exceeded 200 the following day, flooding phone lines and disrupting city employees' ordinary work, a city official said. On the same day, 
Elementary and junior high schools in the city, 60 kilometers north of, northwest of the crippled plant, received 65 similar calls, he said. He said one caller made a com- comment to the effect of, why are you releasing tainted water into the Pacific Ocean, which is a sea for everyone? All right. <laughs> a strange story for a number of reasons, one of which, as I say, prank calls? That, <laughs> that does seem like a thing of the past, but there it is, and it is being used, and perhaps even in a weaponized fashion. And once again, regardless of the specifics of this story and who is doing what to who and under what pretense and what will result of it, again, it is interesting to to think just about the idea and about the number of people. This is one of the things that I think is underappreciated and underexploited by those in the alternative media who only ever concentrate on the negative and would never do something like Solutions Watch and never concentrate on our power to affect things in the real world. They often neglect or simply never mention the idea that there are a lot, a lot more of us than there are of them, however broadly defined. And I think there are a lot of people who are interested in uh, in monkey-wrenching the New World Order. And could you imagine if you put them towards a even a, a good-hearted, ha-ha, how can you... I mean, you, you can only laugh. Prank calls? That's silly. But imagine if hundreds or... Thousands of people were, I don't know, flooding the uh, the phone lines of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or whatever. Again, I'm not suggesting anyone do anything like this, but it could be interesting to see how that could be applied in some sort of campaign. Um, still not satisfied? Ta, fine, there are tons more ideas. Here's one that came up in the Corporate Report comment section recently that I thought was worthy of highlighting. Uh, Corporate Report member CSD left a comment on my The Internet is Dead, Long Live the Internet article. Uh, I have made it a hobby of mine to report the mainstream media on ThemTube for being leaders in disinformation. I'd love to see one of their accounts gain a strike or be banned. <laughs> Join me, friends. <laughs> All right. Well, realistically, I, <laughs> I am not holding my breath waiting for the BBC to be banned as disinformation from YouTube. But... <laughs> But it is funny, actually, that those buttons exist, and to the extent that any human being has to actually respond to those types of uh, things, it could be those notifications, those reports. At any rate, like salting your data as a way of throwing them off your trail, well, just putting in complaints about the actual disinformation, it's not even a joke, really, but the disinformation of the mainstream media into these disinformation notices and hotlines and notification buttons, etc., to the point where it, they become completely useless for the purpose for which they're designed, which is to, of course, get accounts like the Corbett Report scrubbed, because there are too many people reporting BBC and New York Times and Washington Post and what have you. That would that would be great, wouldn't it? Anyway, it's something to think about. But as I say, all of these ideas are just ideas, and they are designed to be, I think, ideas that eh, it's just harmful, harmless little fun that you can have just doing things here and there and it doesn't require much effort but if part of a larger campaign probably could have an effect don't you think there's a lot of ideas out here on the table today lots of links that i'll throw into all of these different stories that i'm talking about if you want to follow up on them but as i say please don't concentrate on the specifics of these stories and these messages think about how you could apply them to campaigns that you are interested in and on that very note I want the Corbett reporters in the crowd to put on your thinking cap. What are your ideas for monkey-wrenching the New World Order? Again, rather low-cost, low low-effort, 
simple little things that you can do that might throw a monkey wrench into the works here and there to stop the uh, gears from grinding. Anyway, something to think about, and I, I'm looking forward to your responses. As always, Corporate Report members are invited to log into the website and leave your responses in the comments for this edition of Solutions Watch. But that's going to do it for today. I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Looking forward to talking to you again in the very near future.